Welcome to the High Road to Leadership. I'm your host, Beverly Lewis, and we are addressing leadership because the world desperately needs heart-based leaders with extraordinarily high emotional intelligence. If, if we're here to share the journey together, um, my desire in each episode is to bring you wisdom, encouragement, and stories that strengthen your heart and clear your head, making every decision easier and the intersections that you come to uh, easier to navigate. Today, I have just the right person to help us do that. I've got Tracy Johnston in the uh, studio with me today. And Tracy, I actually had been hearing about her. She's from Panama City, Florida. And I'd been hearing about her and her leadership and the impact that it had on our community for years. Uh, Tracy, you really came to the front forefront for me when we went through Hurricane Michael as a community Four years ago, I believe you were one of the core group that helped start Michael's Angels with the drive to um, help bring federal help into our totally devastated area. So you, you know, you, I I watched your leadership during that very crucial time, and. Then last year, I, you know, because I do a podcast, I was listening to podcasts and I heard you on a podcast <laughs> and I thought, oh my gosh, this woman is brilliant. And I couldn't, I, I set a goal to have you on mine and here you are. I thank you for being here today. Oh, I'm so pleased to be here with you today. This has been something that's been on my list of connecting with you. So this is just perfect. Awesome. Well, I, in introduction of what your background is, I know for 30 years, you were a franchisee, specifically mm-hmm. with McDonald's and owned a number of restaurants. And so that you know what is going on in the marketplace today. You know mm-hmm. the challenge of hiring good people, of building a team, of retaining employees, and keeping people happy. And you tell us about, you just have really figured out some things. So talk to me about, I know right now you've transitioned and you're doing speaking and consulting with mm-hmm. other, um, you know, with other businesses. I know you mentioned you, you've got some really big, uh, big companies that you're working with in the coming year. But, but talk to me about, your heart for leadership. Tell me, just, yeah. I'm going to leave it wide open. Yeah, no, that's perfect. Um, and I think that is um, where, if I'm going to be a subject matter expert in anything, that's going to be it um, in terms of wanting to do and exercise that heartfelt leadership um, and connecting with people. You know, when you have 350 employees or 3,050 employees, it's really easy to start looking straight through people um, and losing that heart. But that was, you know, the core element in our culture is really knowing who we were first, um, and then knowing who our people were and making that connection beyond the time clock, you know, beyond um, handing out food and drive through. Well, you know what? That's impressive because to me, out of all the industries that have challenges with 
it, retention, it seems to me that the restaurant industry would be like the number one industry having retention challenges. So talk to me about how you dealt. I guess before we talk about retaining people, what were some of the principles you used in hiring people? Because we both know that's step number one is getting the right people in the right place on your team. Right. So what what are some of the things you learned from uh, doing it and then training lots of people to do it well. Right, right. I think in our in our hiring strategy that we had, um, it was definitely that community-based connection. We wanted people to be drawn to us. Um, you, they have to come in the door and apply or apply online, but we wanted them to be drawn to us. Um, and it wasn't just that we were out there hardcore recruiting all the time. Um, and eventually, we crossed that line to where we got to that place. But I think in our hiring practices where we got to know who people were um, and asked them questions questions that were meaningful to their life and understanding how they've been raised and how what their belief system is um, and not judging them based on any of that, but understanding what their need set was when they came on as an employer. And I think a lot of times as an employer, you get real wrapped up in what they can do for you. Um, and when you approach someone with that perspective as a hire, um, that that's where it stays. It doesn't ever go beyond that. You know, it's about what can you do for them. Um, and in this industry, specifically restaurant industry, you get a lot of folks that come in the door to apply that, you know, they've had someone their whole life telling them you can't do anything, you can't be anything, you'll never have anything. Um, and we viewed that as our job to prove those people wrong in their life. Um, we were that gateway often um, into them realizing they had value and they had skills um, and they deserve to be recognized and rewarded for that. I love that. I love that. You know what that reminds me of? I I, I don't know if you've ever read the book, The Dream Manager. Um, Is that familiar to you? Uh, It's familiar, but it's been a while. Okay. Basically, that the man in the story owned a uh, janitorial company, which... turnover was a nightmare for them because they had, you know, employees that worked at night for relatively, you know, pretty low wages. Mm -hmm, And mm -hmm. um, they turned, he turned his whole company around by using the principle that you just talked about, that instead of, you know, having people bailing out the door because Mm -hmm. they they started hiring people and saying, what do you, what are your dreams? What can help? Mm -hmm. What, what do you want to do? Who do you want to become? What do you need in your life? We'll, we want to help you get it. That sounds like you did exactly the same thing. Yeah, very much so. And, and just, and giving them, showing them the pathway to that. Um, A lot of, you know, a lot of people just need somebody to point the flashlight down the road for them so they can see what's ahead and and how to take the next step. Um, And sometimes we would refer to it as I'm just here to hold a mirror so you can see how great you are. But let's, you know, let's talk about that. Let's establish that reflection with you. And I think that was one of our core values is people weren't a employee number. You know, they weren't just some name on the schedule. Um, they were individuals. And the camaraderie and the intimacy, if you will, within our restaurants was, um, it was unusual. You know, it was unusual within the system of McDonald's, um, the kind of connection and care that we established in the restaurants. I love that. So I have a question about how you did that. Was it mostly 
like one-to-one with their managers um, and you as an owner, recognizing them and spending time with them? Or did you do it through group activities? How did you create that? Yeah, you know, I could give you the typical team building answer. And we, of course, did those things. But that really wasn't part of the secret sauce. You know, that wasn't what we eventually coined the Johnstone difference, you know, what made us different as an employer and as a brand. Um, I think, you know, from the beginning at orientation, I would tell them, if you are coming on board and you want to work part-time and you're going to work the, you know, the back out, back of the house, the prep line, um, that's perfect. And we need people to do that. But if you dream of more than that, um, a year from now, you and I need to, you need to be in that next place, you know, um, and then we will do everything we can to get you to that place. So I think communicating that from the front end um, on day one of employment, you know, um, and then yes, there was some one-on-one as people needed it. Um, I've had probably honestly thousands <laughs> of one-on-one conversations with our employee employees. And it was whether it was talking about their development plan, which just signals we have a plan for you. Um, so there's a reason for you to stay. Um, and if they never hear that, they just they just look into ambiguity forever um, to, you know, doing that to just literally a helping them with life skills um, and what's next, you know, what they need next in their life to be able to do the next thing in their life. So it was a, it was a connection of all of those things. Um, and of course, and then the managers in the restaurants continued to foster that. Um, but it was a very collective feeling within our organization that people felt um, it was palatable to understand what that Johnstone difference was. And it wasn't about me at all. Um, They were the Johnstone difference and they took great pride in that. I love that. But so that really, I'm glad we started with how you hired because I was going to ask the question next about how do you retain people? Right. But it sounds to me like, that that was all connected. I mean, that you retained people because from the get-go, you let them know that they were of value, that you were, wanted to invest in their lives, that you wanted to know mm-hmm. what their dreams and aspirations are and help them um, attain that. Mm-hmm. Is there anything else? I mean, that's huge. Oh, for and sure. I, yeah. I think, you know, what's so fascinating to me about this, because I know that a lot of your your, I would assume that, and I shouldn't assume. So let me ask this. I would assume that you, you hired a lot of young people. Um, and that is what we do know from all the statistics. I know that you've studied as well about what young people, the Z's, um, and mm-hmm. not, not even so much the millennials, mm-hmm. but really the Z generation that's coming into the workplace now, they want meaning and significance. Mm-hmm. They want to feel like mm-hmm. they're making a difference and making a contribution. And they want mm-hmm. the opportunity to grow. They mm-hmm. they want to know that 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 they have opportunities. And mm-hmm. it sounds like you figured that out before the st- statisticians ever did. <laughs> so That's we because would like you're to- connected with the heart, right? 
I think so. Yeah. That, I mean, I know so. I don't think so. I know that's what it is. Um, and, and our leadership team, our general managers and mid-managers, they were as well. Um, so it wasn't just, you know, one person over here waving the flag. It was truly a collaboration um, amongst our leadership team. And when you, you know, they always say you got to hire the right person to keep the person. So, and there's truth in that. Um, and there are times you also have to be honest with yourself that that person's not a good fit for us, you know, and that's that's okay um, because you're going to put them through stress and grief and yourself as well. So you've got to also have the tenacity to make those calls and make good choices when you hire folks. But in the retention piece, I think what we found was, you know, all of your people have to play a part in your purpose. Um, they all have to play a part in your purpose, but they have to understand what that purpose is first. Um, and, you know, it it can be challenging um, in the typical sense to give someone bagging fries or taking drive through orders to connect purpose to their task because they are completing often a repetitive task. But once we found that connection and that secret sauce of, of giving them that purpose and teaching them what the purpose was and then letting them play a part in it, it was a game changer for us. Wow, this resonates so deeply with me. So how did you communicate the purpose? Something tells me that it wasn't just one time. It wasn't just when they got hired. How did you build reminding them of that purpose into the culture? We started with the most fundamental things. You know, we are selling food. Um, so we started at the back of the house when it comes to food safety. And we took food safety as part of who we were um, and not as bated breath waiting for an inspection. Um, and so we taught food safety to everyone, meaning that they understood that you're feeding elderly people and small children who are the most vulnerable population to any foodborne disease. Um, so something that simple to where when we do go through an inspection process, they're not fearful, they're proud, um, and they understand what's happening. So, so much of that is just them understanding what's happening around them. But the other piece of that that was key is teaching them about the business, teaching them what profitability means. And all of a sudden, you know, we taught them to count the ketchup packets. Um, so you're counting the ketchup packets because you can give a handful of ketchup and erode the profitability on one hamburger. Um, but we taught that and empowered them. And then we also created rewards for that. So, you know, for example, if you're in drive-through, you may, you may get a bonus tied to our condiment cost um, and managing that. But that was, that piece was probably the most powerful tipping point is treating them like business people and not like crew people and not, like just workers, um, treating them like business people because they're helping us run our business. Extreme ownership. <laughs> mm -hmm. Exactly. That's exactly what it is. Exactly. I love it. I teach this stuff. And so I'm going, yay. Yes. Yay, Tracy. Yay. Yep. And I just, I just admire and respect you so much because you sustained, um, you sustained that in a large organization affecting thousands and thousands of people over a period of many years. What a legacy. And now I feel like you've just changed chapters a little bit and you're, you're actually going to be able to 
probably influence even more people mm-hmm. now by speaking and doing consulting because you're you're spreading this gospel of heart-based leadership, people matter. Um, and, you know, it's just like for teachers, we know and understand that children will perform at the level that you expect them to. You know, we, it's, I've, I'm all, I've always been fascinated by the studies of, you know, teachers that have been told that they had mm-hmm. um, brilliant, special children and they, and the children performed as such, even yeah. though they went into the class with really just the same level of performance as everybody else in the school. And it sounds to me like you, you figured that out in business and how to bring the best out of people. Um, Wow. So I'm going to leave it open to you now is, is, you know, you've got some nuggets. I know that you want to invest in, in our listeners and Mm -hmm. I thank you so much, but anything that you want to share um, that's on your heart about the importance of setting the tone in leadership and the difference you can make in other people's lives. We'd love to hear. Yeah, no, for sure. Um, I think the first thing I would speak to um, is to business owners or someone leading a you know leading a team within a large organization. Um, Making yourself vulnerable to transparency um, with your numbers um, and with your problems and your issues um, is part of that process of that extreme ownership for them. So you have a graded visit from whatever source it comes from, McDonald's or whoever. You do team meetings and show them that and talk to them about that and share that with them. It's not a secret that goes to the big boss somewhere um, and they're not, they don't, they can't impact that because they can. Um, so I think that transparency and with our PLs, um, we got to a level of transparency that um, our with our team, with our PLs, with our leadership mainly, but that raised eyebrows. Like mm, that's probably more than you should be showing them. Um, no, it's not. You know they need to understand the company's profitable first. That you're working for a successful company, um, and there's stability here. Um, and then teaching them the next levels of that, what it is to do reinvestment plan to replace a grill. You tell a crew person that a grill costs twenty four thousand dollars the first time you tell them they're like, I could have a nice car for $24,000, but you start giving them fact-based information and now you're just elevating their mindset about what they're doing and changing all of that. Um, so I think that on the on the leadership side as a business owner or a department lead, whatever you are, I think that's a big piece of not keeping everything to yourself um, is part of it. And then I think the other side of that when it comes to the people is is that still that concept creating that culture of purpose um and it purpose is not you know it's not a mission statement it's not any kind of statement um and we just cling to that still i find you know um in business now um it doesn't have to be encapsulated you know it doesn't have to be um a quote on the wall 
it's alive. And I think that is the, the secret to that is that culture is a living, breathing entity. Um, it's not a destination. You know, it is a, a journey. It is not a destination. Um, and it evolves. And as the players change, it evolves. And you have to be very aware of that. When you bring somebody in that is clearly working against your culture, you've got to see that quickly and call that quickly because that one person can undermine so much of the energy in your store. That is a fact. I love what you said. Culture is alive. That's mm-hmm. that says so much. You know, some people think it's something that you can buy or that you can train, mm-hmm. but it's it's who yeah. you are. It's something. It's yeah. it's it's yeah. it's a being. Yeah, it <laughs> is. Not, it and, is. And the doing comes from the being. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Is there any story that you would like to share with our audience today? Something that uh, I know, I'm sure you you are a book full of stories, but is there anything in particular that you? That was a, a lesson that resonates that you can share with our listeners. Yeah, for sure. I I was very fortunate to grow up um, very middle class, but did not want for any basic needs in my life, you know, and as an adult, I have not had to want for that. Um, and I think um, being humbled by realizing where some people come from, Um, And what you expect of them and the gap between those two things is startling sometimes. Um, You know, you're asking people to be gracious and hospitable um, and extend, you know, good feelings to your guests um, when they, in fact, I have found have never experienced that. They've never, that's not the culture in their home. You know, it's oftentimes maybe raised voices or angry people or food insecurity. There's no food in the refrigerator. Um, So tuning into that as an employer um, changed everything I viewed about um, managing those teams and those restaurants. You know, you you give somebody two uniform shirts, but they don't have a washer and a dryer um, and they get paid once a week or what, you know, I can give a, make a narrative out of that, but realizing they don't have access to what you have access to. And we just take it for granted. Um, so I think that, was a startling moment when I was younger of realizing that and who the population of people were um, and that looks were not always indicative of what was happening, you know, at home um, and how they were necessarily living. And I think the piece too on, on the culture, the day before um, we sold closed on our restaurants, um, I sent a letter to our team an email to our team and I, you know, sometimes when you sell an asset that has people attached to it, they can feel sold. They can feel like you're selling them. Um, and we worked very diligently to not have any air of that um, and that we were making no assumptions about what they were going to do or not do going forward. But I wrote to them and said, um, we sold restaurants, we sold physical assets. But what I've learned in this is we didn't sell the Johnstone difference. You can't take that away from any of us. Um, You can't sell that. And it's exactly what you said. You know, you can't sell culture. Um, And that is still inside of you tomorrow morning when you wake up and you have a different employer. Um, That did not go away. Um, And that one email and the conversations that came from that, 
um, eased so much angst and what's a very difficult time because when you're a family-run business, you know, they work for a family, not a corporation. The arches are over here, but they're not. Um, so I think breathing into that, um, the piece that culture is alive um, and it lives inside of us, um, that you, you can't sell that. You just can't sell it. Wow. What a beacon of um, of an example of heart-based leadership. I think I, I couldn't have picked a person to talk to that carries that so um that that carries that any more deeply in their personality and your heart comes through loud and clear um our time has i cannot believe the time has already flown by that we allotted to talk on this podcast and i just would uh i i will put in the show notes as i always do uh how to get in touch with you on linkedin um it's it's you say it john stone because it's spelled mm-hmm. stone, right? So it's not John Stone. It's, it's John it's Stone. John Stone. Uh-huh. Yeah. <laughs> With yeah. that, like you build on a rock. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yes, exactly. yes, yes. Very firm Trace, foundation. <laughs> yes, Tracy can be found on LinkedIn and she can be found on Facebook. And we can put whatever information in the show notes that you want to. But I've, certainly people can find you there and contact you because I know that, as we've said, you're doing consulting you're doing speaking and you mentioned you're doing motivational speaking but it's not you you use the term but it's not what people expect of motivational speaking tell me about that yeah so people will tell me they were inspired very kindly so and it's like I my my effort is to educate and enlighten and teach and take 30 years of experience running a, a profitable, successful business and give people the tools they need, not just the philosophy, but here are the tools you need um, to do that. But you can't disconnect the motivation or inspiration if you've got that heart for people. That's always going to be part of the story because, um, you know, people come before profit because without people, there is no profit, of course. But um, I think that of of just connecting with people um, because there's a heart in it. It's not just about the numbers or, you know, systems and routines, which is something I teach of establishing systems and routines. It's about so much more than that, though. Well, I feel like we've just gotten a peek in a into a treasure box today. And that treasure box is you and all that knowledge and wisdom that you carry. So I cannot thank you enough for your time in sharing um, the vision of that it is possible to run a profitable business with heart-based leadership and based on values that you're proud of. I am so proud to have had you uh, with us on the high road to leadership today. Thank you very much. And I do have to say, as I always do, the best is yet to come.